Welcome to the Flow and Flourish podcast. I am your host, Nicole Roan, aka The Capacity Coach, aka The CEO of Flourishing LLC, and your sister friend who's here to help you increase your capacity for sustainable success. So if this is your very first time tuning in, then hey girl, hey, welcome to the safe space where we are literally talking openly and honestly about what it's like to wear all the different hats, to juggle the competing priorities, and to figure out how to prioritize ourselves as women, moms, wives, sisters, cousins, aunties, all of those different things, all while having full-time and or part-time jobs with a dash of side hustle or full-blown entrepreneurs, just all of that good stuff. So if you are someone who is looking to figure out how to flow and flourish effortlessly, then let me tell you that you are in the right space. If you have not listened to the first five or six episodes, then ma'am, pause this, go check them out because I talk all about the five different pillars of flow that help us to show up in excellence and also help us to really prioritize self-care from the inside out. And if you are a listener who has been with me since day one, my A1s since day ones, welcome back. I'm so grateful that you tune in every single week. And I hope that this I Am A History Maker series has really been helping you to have some mindset shifts and take some action to really become the best version of yourself and be mindful of your capacity. So with that, I want to introduce to you my girl, Samantha Washington. We are talking all about heart flow today. Really, it's a combination of heart flow and health flow. And we're talking about people pleasing because y'all know I'm a recovering people pleaser. And Samantha dropped some knowledge, y'all, that you are not going to want to miss. So make sure that you get a pen and some paper and or your phone or iPad or whatever it is that you use to take notes because you will need it. And of course, before I jump into this episode and read her bio, I want to let you know that this one today is being brought to you by The Art of Flow, which is my 12-week signature individual coaching program that's designed to help you reconnect with and prioritize yourself. Ladies, I'm here to help you design a life that meets your terms because you know that really being able to juggle everything and take care of yourself Sometimes you need an accountability partner and somebody to help you figure out exactly where to start. And so if you are looking to have transformation in your life and to figure out how to flow and flourish in each and every area of your life, then I am your girl. This program consists of, again, 12 weeks of one-on-one coaching where we work through the five different pillars of flow And I help you figure out what's keeping you stuck so that you can show up in excellence, wearing all the different hats, and being able to prioritize yourself. If this is something that you need, then go on over to my website right now and check out the details on the program, as well as book your free 15-minute discovery call to see if we're a good fit. Now, let me go ahead and formally introduce Ms. Samantha Washington. Samantha is a fitness coach turned life coach. She grew up in a toxic environment with physical, emotional, and verbal abuse. Love was conditional in her home, and she needed an out. Because of that, she decided to join the Air Force after graduating high school. As she navigated through the ranks, she decided to further her education and currently holds a Bachelor's of Science degree and criminology from the Hawaii Pacific University. After getting married and starting a family of her own, life seemed much more manageable until one day, everything came crashing down. She found herself in depression and ultimately running from her past. During this time, God opened her eyes to the psychological effects 
that her childhood was having on her adult life. As a result of her own experiences and the desire to help others, Samantha now helps women rediscover their identity while building their confidence muscles so they can live their life and fulfill their God-given purpose. Help me welcome Miss Samantha to the Flow and Flourish podcast. All right, Samantha! Sam! (laughs) Welcome to the Flow and Flourish podcast, ma'am. I'm super excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like it's a long time coming, girl. I know. And I just, I want to thank you for all your support on every single live, on all the different posts. You just, you keep me going. And I meant to tell you that offline, but now I'm telling you online. So thank you, ma'am. Thank Um, you. All that valuable stuff. I needed it. it I'm there. We support our P2P sisters. We do. You have the comments jumping all the time. Some days I'm like, ooh, if Samantha's here, I'm not going to be able to focus because I'm trying to read the comments. But no, I love it. 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 So I know, right? And you have everybody else cracking up. It's so funny, especially when I go back to. So I've already given you this formal introduction. So can you just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, kind of how you got in this space, and then we'll go from there. Awesome. So my name is Samantha Washington. I'm the owner of Mended Fitness. I help childhood trauma survivors stop people pleasing, rediscover their identity so they can build their confidence muscle and take the leadership role in their lives and also fulfill their God-given purpose. And honestly, when I started thinking about like how this was going to be my life, I didn't believe it at first because I felt like it was something so simple that I ignored the calling that was on my life. Mm, I was always- Like most of us. <laughs> yeah. And I was always so- I always felt like I was so confused. You know, like when you ever like watch somebody like lose their self, <laughs> like you're watching somebody like trying to find keys or something, right? And <laughs> let's make it even, let's make it even more simple. Glasses and the glasses are right on their forehead, but they are losing their, hey, where's my glasses? <laughs> because they're so inundated with all the things in their mind and all the stories and all the things that they have to do that they can't focus. They don't realize what's right in front of them. Mm-hmm. And that's, That was me. Before I started walking on this road and purpose, I was the one that was overwhelmed with a to-do list. I was overwhelmed with like anxiety and people pleasing. And so when I finally hit a depressive episode, like God sat me down and was like, hey, you've been running from your calling. And I was like, what does that mean? I used to be a fitness instructor, still kind of am. I'm not active right now, but I realized I was people pleasing in that business. (laughs) Mm. I was doing all the things that people wanted me to do because I could do it, but I didn't realize I shouldn't have been doing it Mm -hmm. because I was staying away from the thing that was to me was seemed so much even easier than fitness. And also something that I, I didn't recognize as an accomplishment, being able to overcome a lot of things in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've built that resilience muscle. Is that what you're telling us? Yeah, I did. I sure did. <laughs> did. So how did you go from fitness mm-hmm. and kind of merge that into what you're doing now with helping us rediscover ourselves, helping us to build that confidence muscle? And on top of that, this is a two-part question. Define for us what people pleasing is to you, because I know some of us might have different definitions. So help yeah. us understand what you mean when you're saying people pleasing, and then tell us how you kind of navigate it from the fitness arena into what you're doing now? Yeah. So for me, like, I'm not going to give you the textbook psychology book definition. I'm going to give you like what I feel is a straight up definition of people. That's what we want. (laughs) It means pretty much, oh, some people are not going to like this. Laura, are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Do I need to hold my edges now? Ooh, girl, put some gel on things. Put some, uh, I don't even want to say it. Let me not say it. Don't start. It's not your podcast. Chill out. Okay. No, ma'am, this, look, we are open, honest, having the conversations that, you know, most of us either have in our heads or have with our girlfriends in secret. This is for everybody who's really wanting to hear the raw truth. So say what you got to say. Yeah. So Girl, I was going to tell you to put some Gorilla Goo on your edges. Okay. So, 
<laughs> okay, for real. Okay, seriously. For real. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, do not be sorry. Oh, gosh. All right. For real, for real. If y'all but- can't tell already. Sam is yeah. hilarious. And so you will hear a lot of laughing throughout this podcast. And I'm sure you'll be laughing too. So be forewarned. Yes, yes. We didn't give you the warning before, but we got it now because we ain't even deep in it yet. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. But I see people pleasing as really when you have having self-worth issues, mm-hmm. putting yourself last to plead, to do for other people, to make people happy, but you do it in a form of manipulation. People pleasing looks like being too nice. And also they kind of like goes over the lines of being kind. But if you think about being kind and being nice, they're similar as far as definition is concerned. But when you're nice, you're just, you know, you just do things. You're, you're nice. You just maybe consider it courteous and all that. But when you go into being kind, there's a thing to do with like your character. Let's take a characteristic. You have self-love. You feel that there is self-worth. You feel like you are worthy. There is no attachment to the things that you do for others. Mm. You love you have for yourself outward, yeah. right? Instead of looking from the outward and trying to get it inward, try, trying to validate it in yourself. When I think of people pleasing, I think of, you know, pretty much taking the opportunity for people to get to know you because you've replaced it with the things that you can do for them. When you people please, you're agreeable. You don't have boundaries. You take on other people's feelings towards you, about you to heart. You avoid conflict. There's a lot of things involved with people pleasing. And you, you always have a to-do list. You're always doing stuff for people and you resent them when you don't get the response you want. So that's where the manipulation comes from. Mm-hmm. And also affects like, you know, relationships. If you are manipulating, if you're also like, when you're agreeable, you kind of have no opinion. You, you have an opinion, you don't share it mm-hmm. and you feeling. So when you suppress your feelings towards something, you become kind of like a chameleon. And you do whatever people tell you to do and you act like the people around you. So this now you're making me think about something mm. that Vanice posted the other day, our P2P sister in honor yeah. of coming to America, right? It's the literally whatever you like, whatever yeah. you like, you become that yeah. and you completely lose your entire identity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is yeah. that what you mean? That's what it looks like? Yeah. You lose your entire identity trying to please other people. And when you're losing yourself and you're taking up all these multiple identities and personalities, you've omitted the right for someone to get to know you and make a decision for themselves to see if they like you Mm. in, in any type of relationship with you. It's a control thing. And I think a lot of people have dwelled on the idea because it looks like you're being nice, but it creates anxiety, stress, because you're always you know, if you're afraid of conflict, you never speak up for yourself while people just take advantage of you. So when I realized that this was something that I was dealing with, I was ready to, because I knew that I was dealing with this when I had a hard time letting go of my clients. I wanted to fire myself so many times, (laughs) you know, like just give give me a reason. Just give me a reason. (laughs) Give me one reason. Show up one minute late. That's it. I'm done. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. It was like, I love fitness, but why do I not like it, right? This, the way, the way it's. And so I realized that I wanted people to depend on me. It validated me. It made me feel like I was some. Ma'am, I literally just did a talk last night on a Zoom live with a girlfriend and talked about how we get addicted to being needed. Yeah, that people pleasing is a whole thing. Like, as you were talking about, there's a difference between being nice, being kind, and then doing it for the purpose of trying to get people to like you. And Mm -hmm. so as you were saying that, it just really made me think about what we were talking about last night and how when you get into this cycle of really doing everything for everybody and your worth then is tied for that. So I can even say for myself, I remember early on in my marriage with my husband, because he's a chef, I don't cook, except on special occasions and holidays. I'm so thankful for that. But prior to him, I cooked all the time. And so I remember saying, like, I don't cook. I don't do anything for you. Like, why do you love me? 
And at that moment, I was like, wow, I really been tying all the things that I do for everybody around me to my worth. Like I have to do these things for them to love me. And that is not true. It's a whole mind shift. So ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. When you say that, that is absolutely right. I grew up in a household where love was conditional. So when love is conditional, if you receive love or, you know, your idea of love, because my, my household was very toxic, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse. I had to do the things I had to, it was based on performance. What can I, what did I do? Go to school, get these grades. So people can brag about me or, you know, whatever I did, my worth was attached to it. Oh, I'm not good enough because I didn't take the meat out the freezer. You know what I mean? Like crazy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, that's what it looks like. It looks like attaching yourself worth to what you can do, your performance. And it's a hard thing to, to undo and un- unlearn. Mm-hmm. It's a hard learn because it's like, that's what you grew up on. It's something that you've, you know, a habit. Well, for me, it was something that I grew up on. It was a habit. I was always used to doing, 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 doing. And that's why it was hard to trust people who are just naturally nice to me. I would chase after the people that were rejecting me. I would like, because if they rejected me, that means there was something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. There was everything wrong with me. So the people that were nice to me, I was like, what's wrong with you? Excuse me. You know, you talking to me, right? And I'm like, you're weird. So I'm going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> exactly. I remember back when I was in the military, there was a Chick-fil-A had just started getting popular or they had just gotten popular in our area. And I think it was 20, I don't know, girl, sometime in the years past. One of these years. It wasn't 2021. And people used to complain. And I don't know why these things are in my memory bank, but people would complain about the women on the, you know, when you pull up to the drive-thru, the women being so nice at six in the morning when they get in their chicken biscuit sandwich. What? People would complain about it because you know what? You weren't used to it. When you go through these drive-thrus, people are tired, what you want, everything is down. We don't have that extra extra 50 cents for a sauce. You know, it's just the going through the process and you have someone, Hey, how are you before you need to, you know, place your order. And you're like taken aback. You're not used to it. Why do you want to know how I am? Can you just place my order? (laughs) Now what you've learned, you replicate, you've learned this new behavior. You expect it to be how everywhere you go, you expect to do this thing, like have these type of exchanges. And so, yeah, I didn't trust people that were nice. Like you're weird. Let me go work on chasing that rejection over there because that's <laughs> that's safe. That's what I know. What oh I know. Gosh. Yeah. You are bringing up so many good points. And I think about two things came up for me. So one, a good friend of mine, like I'm a chipper person. I say, good morning, sunshine. I feel like the sunshine. Like I'm naturally a happy, perky person. And a friend of mine we were talking on our way into work when T-Mobile had like the Fab Five and, you know, all that good stuff. They had to be in there so you didn't have to use all your minutes. Yeah. Uh, and we'd be laughing because there were people around us in two separate settings that were like, why are you so nice? It's Monday. What's happy about Monday? Like just not really used to this. Hi, good morning. How are you? Those sorts of things to the point where even outside of work, I remember in certain friendship circles with my best friend that other people that came around was like, why is she so nice? Like, what is it? That's not even possible. And it's like you said, because we're not accustomed to people just being nice to us and then wanting to chase the people that aren't nice. It's like liking the bad boy, you know? Like, I don't want this good dude that's nice and sweet and gonna, you know, do the good things. I want the one that want to dog me out and want to talk to me sideways because I can fix him. Yeah. (laughs) Or that's all I know, you know, that's normal for me. That is, but yeah. And it's a codependency relationship that gets created because one person needs you to dog you to feel superior to you. And the other person feels needed to fix. Like you said, it became codependency. And I feel like that's what I had with my clients. It was codependent. I need you to need me and you need me to help you. So we're going to work this out. So we don't make it do what it do. Exactly. And it was a lot lot to do than it was due, but Hey, (laughs) (laughs) And so you said something else that honestly, I didn't realize until I had my own like mental and emotional breakdown a couple of years ago. 
that mm-hmm. codependence is so much bigger than just an intimate relationship. Right. And people pleasing extends far beyond just our personal lives. And oftentimes in, I'm sure the work that you do as well, I've seen it in the professional setting, right? You're people pleasing at work because you learned how to do that at home. And then on top of that, you become codependent on your job, right? Like I remember literally, and I'm sure you've heard me say this when I was in the hospital, I was like, yeah, so about you talking about, I need to be here. I need to go back to work, right? Because my worth, my validation, my title was tied to how I felt about myself, to my self-esteem, to my confidence. And I didn't know what to do without all of those different things. Mm -hmm. And so in your experience, talk to me a little bit about, if you can, the different varieties of codependence or how it shows up, you know, outside of the personal relationships. So it all sums up to feeling responsible for how other people feel. Don't matter who it is. I think I said that was one of the characteristics or signs of a people pleaser, you take on everybody's emotions. So like, imagine somebody at work calling you, like you're on vacation, right? Somebody from work is calling you and they're asking like, hey, I know you're, you know, whatever, whatever, but I can't find this or I need this, blah, 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 blah. Or maybe they're even venting to you about something that one, a ball that was dropped. <clears throat> you immediately feel the responsibility to do something about it. You completely neglect everything that is going on around you. So you can, no one asked you, (laughs) no one asked you, right? And you don't even wait for the ask. You just go. (laughs) You jump in to fix it. And it's the thing that you, it's just feeling responsible, right? Then that's when people take advantage of you. If you have a boss that's like, Hey, you know, I'm so stressed with all of this. So-and-so didn't turn in their performance report. And then when they did to return it, I noticed that these things are missing, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, they're venting to me because they want me to fix it. Well, and then before the ask, what do you do? Well, you know, I can do this, this, and this. Mind you, you got a whole bunch of stuff you got to do on the back end. Oh, whole bunch of stuff. But you already are like, okay, I can do this, this, and this, and this. And in your mind, your subconscious, your inner voice is like, what are you doing? You know, you don't have to, you know, I know you. Come on. Nobody got time for that. But it's too late. You already said it. You already uttered those words before thinking about it because you don't allow yourself to think about yourself. Yep. It's your autopilot response. It's what I call the autopilot syndrome. Yes. And so now, right, somebody, depending on who you are, if you are in that people-pleasing mindset, usually you attract narcissists and manipulators. Say that again one more time because as a recovering people-pleaser, Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about, but some of us don't want to hear that, right? Yeah. And we need to understand that because we're doing the people pleasing, these are the type of people that we attract. So say right. it one more time for the people in the back. Who do people pleasers attract? I will say for the people in the back. Yo, people in the back, listen, if you are a people pleaser and you have that mindset of pleasing others and putting others before yourself, you normally attract narcissists or manipulators. That is a fact. Because if you think about manipulators and narcissists, they have a superiority complex, Mm -hmm. especially narcissists. They think that they are above, they have to have the control. They're the ones that they think of themselves before anybody else. So it's opposite thing, right? It's attracting. So back to the scenario about the boss, if your boss is a manipulator or have narcissistic personality disorder, guess what? You've opened the door to inviting them to take advantage of you from here on out. Yeah, They figured out how to get access to your time. You barely had it to begin with, but now you're not going to have it. Now you're going to be staying late and missing things and missing either time with your family, maybe start a new relationship. And now you're just never able to meet up. I don't know what the situation is, but I know for a fact that when a people pleaser and a manipulator or a narcissist come together, it's never good. And it's hard because the narcissist is making you feel responsible for the things you have to do. They play the victim, they gaslight, they deflect, they project. You feel responsible for their feelings. So what are you doing? Taking all this stuff as notice or dang, I'm doing all these wrong things. It's my fault. They must be right. And they are boss 
if they're saying it, it's got to be true. Yep. And then that happens in our personal lives too, right? Like, yep. first of all, the one thing that you just blew my mind about that I didn't realize, I didn't even think about it as a form of people pleasing is jumping right in and not even waiting for somebody to ask. And I know so many times in my personal life and professional life, I've done that. And even more recently, over the course of the last year, without even knowing that it was like technically people pleasing, I stopped doing that. Right. And Uh can I tell you how many like relationships fell off? Because then there was this awkward pause, right? Like I'm letting you say what you need to say. And then I'm just like, wow. Versus, you know what? Let me help you. No, I'm not jumping in. And so even from a professional standpoint, I can recall myself doing that so many times, right? And then personally too, like, oh girl, you just, you hit so many different points. I lost track of what I was going to say. You hit so many points. (laughs) I know it's a lot because it's something that this was my life. And so I know, and it's weird because when you start thinking of people, please, you think relationally, I'll tell you relationally how that looks. If you grew up with a controlling parent or caretaker, Right. 99% of the time they had that narcissistic personality. They wanted to control you. They made you feel responsible for their feelings, for their happiness, for their well-being. They were competitive with you. They like never allowed you to feel or express your feelings. They always would like just turn you down. I'll give you an example. Like, let's say somebody in the family that passed away, right? Mm-hmm. You, as a young, you're young, maybe you're eight, nine, 10. You don't feel comfortable going to a funeral. It's, it makes you scared. You know, maybe you went to school and talked to some friends about it. And now you're like, what the, I don't want to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's say you say that to one of your caretakers and they're like, how dare you? That was so-and-so. Don't you ever say that again? That was disrespectful. That is not what we do in this household. Bro, how dare you? You don't want to go to a funeral. Excuse me. You know what I mean? And it's just like, wow. Maybe I'm wrong. I guess I'll just make do. And I'll are. suck it up. And my feelings don't matter. And oh, gosh. And we learned that so early on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So knowing all of these different things, I clearly, I'm going to need to do a part two with you on narcissistic behaviors and all of that. Because there's so many different pieces. And I don't know if, if I've shared with you, I am a domestic abuse survivor from a prior relationship. And I didn't even know what narcissism was until after leaving. Right. And Uh, so I would love to have a whole other podcast episode on that. Definitely. I would love Uh, to. But in this moment, thinking about, okay, if you recognize, and this is resonating with you, that you are a people pleaser or you're a recovering people pleaser, and you feel like maybe you've witnessed some of these narcissistic behaviors and, or there's some codependency going on, whether it's your personal or your professional life, how do you get to the other side? What are some of the things that you can do to recover from that, to leave those sort of mindsets, behaviors, and relationships behind? Yeah, that's a great question. The first thing you got to do is get into that step of self-awareness. You know, if you were raised in that toxic environment, there's some things that you probably forgot about because you suppress them. Push them way down deep. <laughs> yes. Or you avoided them, avoided feelings. And they usually turn up in your reactions. That's for sure. A lot of anger. Or maybe you might be super nice because you want to be like the persons that you were around. And it could be other things, but I always like to correlate to two things. Just because. But self-awareness. One, realizing that what happened to you was not your fault. You didn't ask for it. And you don't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. And you couldn't do anything about it when you were younger. But as an adult, that fight, flight, freeze response is no more. You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to resort to that anymore. Mm -hmm. Or at least not the freeze or the flight. You can fight. (laughs) And you can do that by starting to realize that there's been some negative thoughts that have literally lived rent-free in your head. They've become your inner voice. They are how you make your decisions in life. They're why you probably ended up in a relationship that you shouldn't have been in, in a, you know, whatever the case may be. And so you have to start doing that work. If you can't find, you know, a therapist, this is probably the best way. Well, I'm not going to say probably, this is the best way. (laughs) (laughs) 
So those words that you've said to yourself, I like to write things down, but I also like to take notes because sometimes I write too slow and I think faster than I write. Same, I'm like, like oh, I got to type. Side note, my sister yeah. calls me fire fingers. So if I'm taking notes, I'm typing. Really? I'm wrong. Fire I fingers. That. I need that. I need that. I Because mean, my I got sludge fingers. My bad. <laughs> One, two, three. So I like to say, write things down as far as the voices that are in your head, the things that they've said about you. What are those voices? So those voices came from somewhere. So what did that person say about you that raised you? And then cross that thing out and write what the truth is. Because you, but you got to face the lie first. Because I mean, when it's in your head, you ain't really facing it. You're just like, blah, 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 blah. it's just floating like a little substance in your toddler's water. You're like, I don't want to drink that after you. <laughs> I'm so done with you. <laughs> okay. That's what it's like. And take responsibility for the fact that you do know that you shouldn't be here and you've allowed it for too long. You've got to take ownership of that. But when you start looking at the things that were said about you and the things that you've said to yourself in result, because sometimes we kind of recreate the stories. Mm-hmm. Now you're replacing it with the truth. And what are you doing with all that? You're affirming yourself. You're going to take the truth and use it as a way to affirm yourself. And in the beginning, it's going to sound corny. It's going to be like, what the heck am I saying? Like, this is dumb because Mm -hmm. you're not used to doing that. You're not used to being nice to yourself. People pleasing is not, it's nice being nice to everyone else and not yourself. Except for you. Yep. No capacity for you. Okay. Anytime you did something for you was last minute. So now you're going to take that information that you are saying that goes, that's the truth about you. And you start affirming yourself. This is why I like to use the voice notes because I think that Saying it from the mirror, that's good. I like to say, if you're using, find some place that you use a lot, if you use your phone a lot, have it on like a wallpaper on, the, on your phone, maybe a sticky note in your car. You need a consistent reminder so you don't fall back to those old ways, right? Mm-hmm. The voice notes are almost like your future self talking back to you. You take that voice and those affirmations and you speak it into those voice notes. You speak it into a recorder and you play that thing as many times as you need to. And you say it with that person. That is your future self telling you who you are for real. I'm enough. I can have love. I'm not sensitive. I'm emotionally intelligent. And it's nothing wrong with even being sensitive. Nope. I and mean, we too- hear that so much. Like, you're a crybaby, right? Like, right. gosh, one of our other P2P sisters, we were talking about that, how, you know, a lot of us are taught early on, you know, especially as young men get that, right? Like, real men don't cry. But even right. as young ladies, like suck it up. Like you're okay. Wipe your teeth. Black women. Only black women. Because Ooh. sociology, I took one sociology course that changed my whole life. But the narrative, you know, marketing is a big deal. I always thought marketing was just for business. No, marketing is a programming situation. Okay. Yep. The way marketing dehumanizes women, but black women, the storytelling of black women being strong, which created a stigma in the black community, right? That mm-hmm. having depression means you, you know, don't shh, shh, don't tell anybody. Instead of trying to help, fix, embrace, allow, research, understand, it was like stigma. Listen. Black women, depression, black women, weak. No, because what I see on TV is black women, strong, taking whatever comes at them and being resilient and overcoming and becoming the first black congressman on somebody's seat. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know what? And it plays out in so many different aspects. I just had an article published in a magazine called Swanee yeah. Swank. Yes, where I talk about you dancing. I'm sorry, let me celebrate too. Yes. <laughs> you need to, I need, I would turn on a little, little applause button. I'm gonna start putting that on my <laughs> girl. That's yes, you're gonna make me add that to it. And I talked about this from a capacity standpoint, how our capacity is strongly tied to this strong black woman syndrome. And how not only is it something that's been perpetuated in our households, but for centuries, we've been depicted as unbreakable and all these other things. And even when you think about it from the medical field, I was talking to a psychiatrist, Dr. Nicole Washington, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and how even in the medical field, right? So many of us, when we go to our doctors and we complain about things hurting or things not being right, we're discounted or dismissed. And we're looked at as though we're stronger than we really are. And so it plays into so many different things. So I love that you bring that up. I love it. I love it. So we need to be aware. Number one. Be aware. 
Yes. The next thing we need to do is start because this is now building our confidence muscle. So we have to start preparing for the boundaries that we need to create. <laughs> That's a bad word to some people. You know that, right? Bad word to some people. That being assertive and having those boundaries, it's important because that's something that people pleasing avoid. Like there is no boundaries. There's no boundaries. I'm open. I'm open book. I'm doing what I mean. Not really. Cause you don't share your problems. Cause what we're talking about being strong people pleasers don't let people know what's going on with them. Cause they're always the ones that's fixing. So being fixed, that doesn't look good. That doesn't create that narrative that they're trying to keep up with. Yeah. So creating those boundaries are going to help you start to realize who you really are. But the, before you even create a boundary, you have to learn how to be assertive. So it requires you to speak up for yourself. And when you're in a Zoom call with your coworkers and somebody speaks over you for the umpteenth time, you're going to have to realize, for one, you've got to stop internalizing it and realizing that it's something that they're doing to you personally, right? We're not taking those things that are happening on the outside as our own, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have to be ready to say something. And understand that these tendencies, right? Because we want to treat people like, you know, the human. We don't want to treat the symptom or the problem. We want to make sure that we're coming, approaching these things in a health, healthy way. So you might not say something. It depends on the situation. So if, is there something that you really need to say? You definitely can address them publicly. But if it's something that you can wait on, don't wait too long. Meeting's over. Send an email. Have, to have that phone call. Tell them to it's inside. Yeah. Yes. And you have to graduate to this. So let me make sure that I'm not overwhelming you with this thought because we can't go from no assertiveness to now, let me tell you how you just offended me. Right. (laughs) You have to realize that this, because you, you, you affirm yourself, you have a voice. So it's going to take practice to be assertive. It's going to take practice. So what does that look like? All right. I like to give this example all the time. If you order takeout, okay. You pay $27 for this takeout, all right? You go and swipe the thing, swipe your card, all right? And they hand you that bag of food. I'm sure of this. You take that bag and you take it to the car. And then you look inside, if you remember. If not, you wait until you get home. But let's say you're starting getting a little, you know, a little, you're building that. Until you're like, "Mm, let me just take a peek. Right? Because you just want to, or maybe I want to try it. Let me see. And you see that it don't look like $27 that you used to, And so what do you do? A people pleaser would take it home, get upset, yell about it, complain about it, be frustrated, get upset, go home and eat it and be frustrated. Like people don't even think that's not okay. That is not okay. You're sending cortisol to, you're sending the stress hormones to your body. I learned that when I get very upset, I just learned this maybe about two months ago. If I get really upset, you know that it can cause me to bloat like, it messes with your digestive system, just being upset. Look it up. Yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked when I discovered it. I hadn't eaten that morning, but there's times where I don't eat in the morning and I eat later in the afternoon or earlier in the afternoon. And yeah, I was upset, upset, so upset. And I was like, why am I bloated? And I haven't been bloated in months, almost a year. And I was like, what is this? I was like, and I just Googled, does stress make you bloated or does anger make you bloated? And it was like, yeah, it has to do with your digestive system. Whatever chemicals is being sent to the body is creating this. It's like you're swelling up on the inside. I'm not going to pretend I know all the scientific stuff. I just read it and I was like shocked. And I was like, oh shoot, let me close this. But it makes sense too, because you know, from a physical standpoint, like you mentioned the cortisol, it's the stress hormone. That's what causes a lot of belly fat too, right? Like you can be eating all the things and drinking all the water, but if you are stressed to the max, like you're constantly releasing that into your body. So that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. So instead of being stressed, right, this is a small way to practice your, you know, assertiveness. You go back into that restaurant because you didn't leave the parking lot. Or if you are still in the restaurant, you want to look up at the person that just took your card and paid your money. And you're going to just ask them like, Hey, I noticed that my portion is a lot smaller than usual. Was this a mistake? Because we want to be healthy. We don't want to assume that people are doing us wrong on right. purpose. We don't even know that. That's why it's good to practice with stranger. And it's also, I didn't realize this because I made this up maybe a week ago, but I realized that it's good to practice in a restaurant 
because they are people pleasers, are they not? They want to make sure you are satisfied. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Good answer, Bob. Absolutely. That's the yes. best place to practice. Practice. And so they're going to most likely say, oh, wow, you know what? We've been really busy. Maybe it was an oversight. I apologize. I would like to offer you this, maybe this and this and this and, you know, whatever. And you're like, oh, cool. I didn't even, you know, and a sense of relief, right? Maybe, maybe. Because again, you're still working on trying not to allow these things to affect you. And you felt like maybe saying something was wrong. But again, that practice, I wouldn't recommend practice to a family because family think they can do whatever they want. Ma'am, that's a whole nother podcast too. Girl. Lord. Girl. It sounds like you have to affirm, right? You affirm, well, after you're aware, you affirm mm-hmm. and then you almost activate this assertiveness and you, you start practice it. Start practicing. Once you start practicing, you have to also understand that because you can practice in the mirror, you can do all that. But remember when you practice, because I was in the military, we practice readiness training. Readiness training is just preparing for the fight, preparing for the war. And you know, you've heard this saying before, I'm sure. Hope for the best, expect the worst, right? Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you got to do that when you practice your assertion because it's going to pre- prep you for boundaries as well. When you start being assertive, you can now create these boundaries. So when you prepare for the worst, that means you got to prepare for the response of the other person. Mm-hmm. You over-exaggerate their response. And not to scare you off, just because you want to be ready to respond in a healthy way and not take in all that energy they're giving you that you didn't ask for mm-hmm. all because you shared your feelings. So maybe I'm step a little above stepping, you know, that boundary. So after you create, you start being more assertive, you're setting those boundaries, knowing your limits, right? You got to know your limits to set those boundaries. What are you not going to allow anymore? How does what doing whoever does what, how does that make you feel? Tap into that. Think about what it looks like on the other side when you set this boundary so you don't internalize the person's response. And then you start practicing that because setting a boundary and being assertive, two different things. It is. The more you practice thinking about that other person's response, which is important because we would always hope that they understand us, right? Because we're starting with the I feel statements. We're not saying you, 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 mm-hmm. right? I feel as if I feel you know, embarrassed when you or whatever the case may be. But then they'll say, hey, you know, one or three things could happen, maybe four or five, but I'm going to go with the top three. They can understand. And if they respect you, they're going to respect the boundary. Don't understand and say, well, that's not really what I was trying to do, but I see how you feel about this. I'm going to make sure that I don't do that in front of you or do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. But then there's the other thing. They're like gaslighting you, calling you crazy. Mind you, you did not call them any names. You did not project anything onto them you shared what I feel yes and now they're responding in this way and so you have to understand it's not your business that they choose to respond this way maybe if they want to keep being like that they can but this is where you start having to create an emotional space if it's a family member if it's somebody in the workplace then we're just going to keep it professional because that joke went too far and if they agree that's okay because you're going to start documenting what's happening in the workplace. You, you know want to make talking to HR, right? Absolutely, ma'am. There you go. Absolutely. I military. I didn't know you were HR or maybe I did and I mm-hmm. forgot. Yeah. Document everything. That's what we do. And so when you're doing all these things, all of this is going to build your confidence. I'm, I'm telling you, like when you start realizing who you are for real and what you will not allow you'll start to see the peace in your life. People stop calling you, asking you for money because they think, oh, I got a six-figure job. They think I always got money. And first of all, ma'am, sir, cousin, brother, uncle. I still got bills and I kids. Still, like, let, and why do I- so Why to, are you counting my money? Right. No is no. When people show up in your house or show up at your house unannounced and they get mad that you, <laughs> you don't want them there, they're getting upset. Or you don't like, answer the door because I've done that. Or yes, because I, I see your car outside. Why are you not answering the door? I wasn't expecting you, sir. But you know what? Let's plan for a day where I'm available for you. And you come on that day, mom. No matter Listen, who it is. 
and yeah. that's the hardest sometimes when it's your family. It, it is. But like you said, being able to practice that stuff is what makes it get better. And it builds that confidence muscle. Yeah. And I want to say, I love how you talk about hoping for the best and expecting the worst, because even yeah. if you do exaggerate what the other outcome may be, you're preparing yourself to be better equipped to handle it. And then you also said something that I wanted to point out that I thought was magnificent. You know, as you're setting these boundaries, one of the things that I've learned is that boundaries are for you, not for them. And so you are not responsible for how they feel about them. You know, to the point where I think I posted maybe a month or two ago that when you set boundaries, anybody who I think I said like doesn't respect them or doesn't like them or whatever it is, anybody who's upset that you're setting a boundary is someone who's benefiting from you having none. Right. Ooh, so, girl. Say that's good. I mean, I know, just, can you say that one more time? One more you, time. Because that hit me. <laughs> when you set boundaries, mm-hmm. anybody mm-hmm. who does not like it is because they benefit from you having none. And yes. so you have to be okay with them walking away and you being at peace because the boundary isn't about them. It's about you and what's best for you and your peace of mind, your mental health, your emotional health. And so, ma'am, I just. You, you, pre- you really want me to set my phone clear across the street into my neighbor's pool again? No, That's what please you, don't. You want me to submerge my phone into my neighbor's pool across the street? Ma'am, I don't want no problems, Okay. Because that is your phone in your house. That's because because we need to finish the podcast, right? (laughs) Right. That is so true. People feel entitled and we got to make them sat down somewhere. We want to make sure that they are aware of their place. And and it's sometimes people are offended if you're grown and you change. And now the way that you approach them is not the way that they used to want you to approach them. Be You know, in that way where you're angry and they've gotten you to that point. That's part of that control. They want to get you to that. And yeah, it's definitely taken away from them. And Again, like I said, once you get to that point where you realize what it looks like to be at peace and have that freedom, say no to other people so you can say more of the yeses to yourself. I mean, there's so many things that you can do. Now you stop telling your boss that you'll stay late so you can go work out because you've always been planning to work out, but you keep telling your boss you're going to stay late. Hello? Listen, you gain so much when you release people pleasing. Like you gain so much and not just you, but the people that you love, your priorities get aligned you know your goals start to come to fruition because you are not spending time doing stuff for other people yeah you learn for me I'll say I learned how to love myself unconditionally because Mm -hmm. I too grew up in a household sometimes intentionally and even unintentionally where like you said performance was rewarded you know down to if you're getting A's on your report card you're getting five dollars a pop or you're treated differently. I remember there are some days I didn't have to do the dishes if I got better grades and whatnot. And so you're unlearning those sort of behaviors. Yeah. And as a recovering people pleaser, do you know how much capacity I have now? Yeah. I've released it. I'm yes. recovering. I'm not saying I'm perfect by no stretch of the imagination, but the awareness is so pivotal and yeah. all of the other pieces that you mentioned. So yeah. 100. Thank you. Thank you. And I think it's important that we address that whole, you know, just the knowing how your whole, literally your whole life will change. Things are in alignment. You're raising your kids better. You're finding that you're cultivating relationships that are authentic, and like real, authentic, healthy connections with people. Not these one-sided, what you can Not do these, for me. Yes. No, it's a 100% from them, 100% from you type of stuff where you can tell somebody something that you don't see as right and they won't be mad at you for it. Cause now, you know, you're not worried about avoiding conflict. And can I just say this about the conflict? Yeah. I think that you think about, um, in the work setting, we're keeping it in the work setting. You know, you have a boss that says sometimes that, or you have that you're doing all the stuff performing and doing everything. And then one day your boss wants to talk to you and Ooh, that sends a chill down your spine. You're like, wait a minute, what did I do wrong? What did let me check. Let me see. How am I going to respond? What are you going to say? You know, just stressed out, just stressed. Mm-hmm. And you avoid it. You try to avoid it as much as possible. You hope for the phone to ring in that office. You hope for somebody else to have something to do 
somebody else walks up. You hope that annoying one employee, <laughs> that one annoying coworker that you don't want to talk to, the one you don't want to talk to, but listen, this is the one, this is the one you don't want to talk to them at all. You know why? Because they're the ones that will email you then ask you if you got the email. And in case you didn't, they print it out for you. <laughs> and walk it over to your desk. Come on now. You just go like, open. I just wanted to make sure that you got, did you give me a chance to get it though? It's, Sir. It's, ending. It's, it's, it's still in between lines. But like me, I would get up if I saw the person coming, because I'm that one who would say, oh my gosh, my boss wants to talk to me. And this is part of the recovering imposter syndrome too. Always thinking that I did something wrong. Right. But even if I saw them coming, I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm running to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Right. And I would stay in there a little longer. Like, yeah. oh, I hope by the time I come out of here, you know, that yeah. they're not waiting outside my office. Yes. Conflict avoidance. Conflict avoidance, because I think of the two scenarios again, destructive conflict in the home, always seeing people yelling at you, other people, each other, but you never saw the resolve because it was like, oh, I'm gonna yell at you and then everything's gonna be fine. There's no sorry. There's no having to talk it out. Or you were shielded from conflict where you never really saw it. And you thought, oh, wow, if I was protected from it, yeah, something must be wrong with that. It so does not exist. People yeah. don't argue anywhere. But conflict is inevitable. And we have to know what it looks like to resolve. And having authentic relationships in the workplace anywhere starts with conflict, understanding each other. If we don't agree, we don't agree. We're going to talk about it. And when you notice the difference between constructive conflict and destructive conflict, and you understand it, you're less likely to run away from it. You're less likely to internalize things when people want to have just have a conversation. They could have just been like, you know what? Your performance was amazing this week. Take some time off. You don't know. You're so stressed because it looks like a mountain to you. You're on one side. You can't tell what it looks like on the other side, but you're already freaking out. Talk you're already about on the phone. I'm about to throw this phone out this window. Oh, don't, throw, don't throw your phone. Please don't throw your phone because we had already had this talk just about I hit one of these kids on accident out here playing because it's nice. So let me just keep my phone right here. Damn. Yeah. So much knowledge. Like, oh my gosh, Samantha, just thank you so much. (sighs) It was my pleasure. Thank you. I'm so happy to be, to finally get to talk to Nicole. I know. And you know, we're going to have to partner and do a live. I don't know how we'll get through it because we're both just as goofy as we want to be. Before I let you get out of here, ma'am, I got to ask you the questions that I ask everybody are you ready i hope i am you are you ready you stay ready you in the military you're from the military you stay ready come on now (laughs) okay if you could go back and talk with the 17 year old version of yourself and give Mm -hmm. her one piece of advice and one piece of advice only what would it be and why it would be trust yourself Mm. it would be trust yourself it would be trust yourself yes because There were plenty of times in my life up until 17 years old where I felt like this doesn't seem right, where I made friends with people just so I couldn't be alone. And so I I wanted to be accepted. And, you know, they would do things that weren't so nice, but I just overlooked it. And I ended up in situations where I shouldn't have been because I didn't listen to myself. I didn't trust myself. I didn't think my opinion mattered because I felt like I was told that. So if I trusted myself more and really listened to that voice, you know, God's warning, I definitely would have been in a different space for sure. Would have avoided a lot of pain because a lot of it, I mean, a good bit of it inflicted on me, but then there was a lot that I inflicted on myself also. Yeah. Not trusting. I identify with that so much. And I know so many of the listeners do too. There's so many (laughs) of us that just, even now still, right? Like that's why it's part of, what I do in my coaching is helping you to trust yourself because to be honest, like I said, even as adults, sometimes it's hard to do that, but learning how to do that at 17, we talk about a difference. It would be amazing. That's good. Nobody said that. So thank you for saying. Oh yeah. See, I like to be the first. Original. Since you are on the Flow and Flourish podcast, tell me yeah. something that you do on a regular basis to make sure you flow and flourish. Girl, I dance. Girl, I was just dancing yesterday. I'm about to do it again today. Okay. What kind of dancing yeah. you do, ma'am? All kinds of dancing, girl. Hokey pokey. It don't matter. <laughs> I know you didn't hokey pokey. I did say hokey pokey. That's the first thing I get in my mind. 
but I'm serious. I move my body. I try not to stay stagnant in one place. And it's not because I feel like um, at times it might come from feeling like just I'm not doing anything, but I like to free my mind of overwhelm. And that's one of the ways, because I learned recently after years and years in the fitness industry, understanding how the fitness industry was really set up to fail women, especially, and tell women they weren't enough and they had to do this, this, and this to look like this and be enough with this person, blah, 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 right? I learned late, but I'm glad I learned it, that fitness is not about just, you know, doing the squats and the lunges and the bicep curls and all that. Fitness is whatever gets you moving and you have to want to do it. I think about scientists, you know, they know what they're talking about, right? They did the stuff. They have all the scholarly articles. They got, you know, they built that trust over a decade, two decades. But even with all that information, that's the education. But when I started to study myself and realize, like going through that self-awareness, realize the things that I really enjoyed, that's how I became more sustainable. I was happier. I stayed in that fitness. I had that energy. I always had the energy. And I was always motivated to do things because I chose to do what I wanted to do versus what somebody else was telling me that I needed to do. Omitting all the options, you know, like if I want to go to a protest, I don't want to pass out because I've been avoiding that personal trainer that tells me I got to do these dumb lunges every day when I could just dance my way to hell. But no, (laughs) I because I thought that's the only way to, to work to get fit. And, or, you know, I could go on and on, but I started dancing. I feel like I flourish my mind. I can think better. It just brings so much, you know, you know, the serotonin, the dopamine, all of that stuff that you naturally, like people would have to get from the outside. I can get it. I can create it within me and it allows me to do more. And also just think clear. I think I said that already, but yeah, dancing. I was doing African last night. I was doing a little African. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need you and Danielle, the other you two Washingtons to get together because did you see her like chat yes. for a week with the dancing? I'm yes. going to try to do a like Zoom dance party so we can all get together. Yes. I'm about was- to text her as soon as we get off of here because she called. Listen, <laughs> y'all going to have to do a Zoom dance party for all of us so we can all move oh, our body. I love we, that though. We're going to freestyle it. Y'all, because some people I feel like they feel pressured to. I've had people ask me about like their personal, you know, like, what should I do? And I'm like, what do you want to do? And they were shocked that I asked them that. Like, what do you want to do to get fit? Because I want you to do this for the rest of your life. And they were like, I like to dance. I was like, okay, we'll start dancing. Well, I don't know how to dance. It don't matter. You know how to move your body? Okay, then. That's all you got to do. That's it and that's all. Right? Into a Zumba girl. I like Zumba, but my sister and I, we want to have, don't laugh at me, (laughs) We want to dance and twerk. <laughs> I've seen that twerk Zumba. Yes. Atlanta, they make me so jealous. They have all the fun stuff. They have twerk Zumba, twerk this, twerk that. So- soca, you playing that soca music? I'm just like, yes. oh. They have twerk, what do you call it? Spin classes. Get out of here. They be twerking in the spin class. I'm like, Ow, on the bike. What? On the okay, bike. that's a whole nother conversation, ma'am. So- Move your body. That's what you do to flow and flourish. Now you're going to make me look up this twerk spin class. Anywho. All right. Last question. Oh, there's another one. Okay. One more, one more, one more, one more. Okay. You have dropped a lot of knowledge, made me want to throw my phone out the window and almost hit a kid with it as well. (laughs) Um, If there's one thing that you want the listeners to walk away with today, what is that that you want them to take away from our time together? Let me think. Find more peace or find your peace. Because mm. if somebody has or somebody's has stayed here this long into this podcast, it's because they needed to hear this thing. Yeah. And peace is something that people waited 47 years, 50 years, waited till they got on their deathbed to find or to, to realize peace. Yeah. Find it. You have to find it because you don't know what it looks like. So you're going to have to do the work, right? But you're going to have to find it. So that piece can be what you start with every time you make a decision to, before you even make a decision, you know, why am I doing this? Is it going to affect my piece? If you found it, you're going to know what it looks like. And you're going to put that thing first before you do anything else. That's why. Don't let it go. 
People say, oh, I want to be, I used to say this all the time. I want to be like that old lady. She like 60 and she just say whatever she wants. She don't care. She just do whatever she wants. And her no is strong. I want to be like that. And you could be like that today. You ain't got to be 60. Exactly. Because they found boundaries. They figured it out. And I want, I just want us to find our peace a lot sooner than I did. Same here. Yeah. Me, it took, like I said, being in ICU to find the peace, to understand that I needed to find peace and that it wasn't just going to come knocking on my door. Like, Hey, I've been looking for you. That's not how it works. So I love that. Yeah. Come on, ma'am. Yeah. Okay. I know I said that was the last question, but this one is an even better question. Okay. Tell everybody how they can find you if they want to connect with you. And if you have anything that's going on, you know, upcoming, any classes, workshops, freebies, any of that stuff and how people can connect with you, because I know everything that you've shared today has blessed somebody and is going to help even just me to think about the ways that I didn't consider people pleasing Mm. as people pleasing. I'm so much more aware. Like, so how can they connect with you, ma'am? Thank you. Thank you for asking that. So I'm on mendedfitness.com. Okay. Also my Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram handle. And if you're on TikTok, I'm on TikTok too. It's the, the or I say the, it's the Samantha Washington. I'm the on- Samantha Washington. You are the, the Samantha Washington. People were trying to say the, and I was like, hey, that don't sound right. The Samantha Washington on those social media platforms. And if you're looking for a safe space, space to have these type of conversations. You're not there yet. You want to learn more. Facebook, I have a mended fitness community where we are, we're now revamping. It was all fitness. Now it's less fitness, more mindset. So my hand, it's in my IG bio. It's in my, but if you just go straight on Facebook, it's mended fitness on Facebook. And I think it's a safe place because you know where you guys were talking to, you were talking to Patrice, was it last week or the week before? Mm-hmm. I am not the only one. I don't know everything. And I learn through everybody that I interact with. And we need to have a place where we can share ideas. We can have that like-hearted, like-minded community and have other inputs versus just my own. And also understand that if you are ready to make a decision that might not be good for you, you have some place to go to see if that's the right one. Because going through this journey, it might get lonely a little bit. And we need that community to help us, support us, build us up, and remind us that we are doing a good thing. Yes. And it's not, it might, it does get lonely. And it's so important for us to be in the like-minded, like-hearted community. And I had no idea you had this community. So you know I'll be joining. And all of this, I'm going to also include in the show notes so that everybody can click. Because if you're like me, I forget if it's not written down or somewhere that I can click. Like I have a young old people mind is what I like to say. But ma'am, thank you so much for pouring into everybody for joining me on the Flow and Flourish community. We definitely are going to have to do a part two on narcissists. And again, just thank you for being here. And I can't wait to continue to partner with you. Yay. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Listen, this was fun. I already had emailed, you know, cause I'm a military brain. I'm like, what's the order of things, but I had to let that thing go. And I was like, you know what? Let's go with the flow. She said, we flow, flow, flourish. I like it. Let's do it. And it was fun. Nicole, like I had fun with you, girl. You're fun. You're that already. Now, come on. Now. Let's not be for Don't me over here. Cheese. Okay. Yeah. So I appreciate it so much. Thank you for allowing me on your platform. Thank you so much for the viewers and listeners that are listening. I think like this is something that we need to talk about more. We need to start talking about this more. So thank you for creating the space for me to do that. Listen, if you didn't know what people pleasing was before this episode, I guarantee you know now. And with that information, what are you going to do about it? I mentioned in the beginning that I'm a recovering people pleaser. And honestly, I still have to catch myself and check myself. And I hope that this episode really empowers you and gives you the tools you need to step back and say, you know what? I decided that I don't want to be a people pleaser anymore because you don't have to be. So often we have to unlearn thoughts, behaviors, and patterns that we acquired from our households, from our friends, just from our environments. If you do nothing else, I encourage you to take the time 
to examine if how you're showing up is because of some underlying people-pleasing traits. And then to give yourself grace about it, right? You hear me say all the time that knowing is half the battle. So now that you know, what are you going to do about it? And don't be afraid to reach out and get the help you need, whether that's to Samantha, to myself, to a therapist. You don't have to do this alone, and honestly, you shouldn't. So I encourage you to seek the help that you need to manage through whatever it is that comes up for you. And of course, until next week, I am hoping that this series has really just knocked your socks off because next week is the last week and I have some good stuff in store for you guys. So have a wonderful rest of your week. Keep making history, keep celebrating the history maker that you are, and don't forget to join me live on Facebook for a really special Flow Friday. I always say thank you for tuning in to listen to me, but thank you for showing up for you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode, to show up week after week, and get information that's going to help you really learn how to flow and flourish. I I'm so grateful to be your capacity coach on this journey, and I look forward to continuing to help you increase your capacity by creating balance between your personal and professional life without sacrificing yourself, your family, and the things that matter most to you. Talk to you next week.